Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... again, everyone. Pastor Chet Haney here. I'm with the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and this is the His Mighty Hand radio podcast and broadcast. And I'm so happy to be joined in studio today by Holly Gray, who has already spent a couple of sessions with us, and we're glad to have you back again, Holly. Holly, let's talk about Greenville. It's a great place to live, isn't it? It absolutely is. I've lived here all my life, and Never had any desire to move away from Greenville. Yeah, I've, I've noticed since I've been here, uh, came in 2013, that it is a great place to live. It's just got everything you could possibly want, you know, in a smaller town, and yet you're very uh, handy to be able to access anything you need from a big city, just, you know, a few miles over. And uh, it's like living close to Dallas, but you don't have to live in Dallas. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I tell people when they're looking at moving to Greenville. I tell them you're close enough to Dallas if you need a major purchase, but yet yeah. you have the small town feel of where you're at. Exactly. Exactly. And you and I have the privilege to serve together on the board of development here in Greenville. I'm so glad when you came back on the board so we could uh, share in the meetings. And it's always exciting to hear about new possibilities of uh, industry and business coming to town. Yes, it is. I, I am very happy to be back on the Board of Development again. I huh. did two terms the first time for a total of six years. Wow. And then I was off for a year, uh-huh. and then I am back on for a three-year term again. Great. Um, that board, I've served on several boards, but that board appeals to me tremendously because I'm able to share my real estate information mm-hmm. with companies who are potentially looking at moving to Greenville because yeah. not only do they question where can they put their company, but they question how many houses are available and where right. the houses are located. So right. I, it's been very helpful to me to to be on that board because I, I can share my knowledge, but at the same time, I'm learning things constantly all the time. Yeah, and that's a give and take. I was reading recently, uh, Holly, about one company, shall remain unnamed, who considered our uh, city and wound up going to another place in Texas and I was reading about what a challenge it's been for them to find enough labor, you know, to fill out the jobs that they need. And that's going to be interesting uh, as we go forward as well, uh, because there's um, a desire to grow, but you've also got to have a, a labor pool of people who are able to come in and fill some of those uh, jobs. And increasingly, the job market today is so high-tech and so uh, advanced that uh, people have to have a lot of pretty specific skills and abilities in order to fill some of these positions. Yes, that is so true. Um, I get asked a lot because of what I do. Why don't we have an Olive Garden? Why don't yeah. we have a Target and some of those other kind of places? Yeah. And I explain to them that those particular companies have very high, strict standards for what we have to have in order for them to consider coming here. Demographics. Demographics, uh-huh. um, all of that. And so mm-hmm. I explained to them that the manufacturing mm-hmm. 
part of it is the most important thing because once we get more manufacturers to come and move their businesses here, which creates more jobs, then the housing will increase. I think we've got a builder who's looking to build some upper end homes here in Greenville that I found out about recently. And so, you know, first the manufacturing, then the houses, then comes the retail and the restaurants and things like that. So it's a, there's a process to it. Right. I remember hearing Steve Stroop say this, um, years ago, uh, when Lake Point was really growing in Rockwall, Lake Point Church, one of the great churches in our nation, really, is just 30 miles away here. And I've always been a big fan of Lake Point and Steve Stroop in particular, who's uh, somebody I just respect very highly. And, and he made the point, you know, people say, well, it's natural that Lake Point's growing because Rockwall, I think, was the fastest growing city in the nation at that time. And he said, well, you know, the funny thing about that is, People aren't moving here to Rockwall County in order to find a church. You know, and churches still have to uh, reach out to the community. We have to be relevant. We have to be welcoming. And we have to, um, you know, offer to them an opportunity to have a spiritual experience where they can really grow. And I think we're going to find that to be true in uh, church life here in Greenville as well as our city continues to grow. We cannot take for granted that people are just going to, you know, make a path to our door, we're going to have to get out there and reach them. Yes, that is so true. And I get asked a lot, too, with people when they're moving to Greenville, you know, what church do you recommend or where do you go to church? And so now that I have found my church, um, it's very uh, humbling to share that with them and let them know I go to Highland Terrace. That is who I recommend to you. Mm -hmm. My experience at Highland Terrace has been, exceptional and that's where you need to visit and see if it's a fit for you i appreciate that so much thank you uh, for saying those kind words holly um you know i was uh, listening to uh, another podcast actually yesterday by john piper who was talking about uh, happiness and joy and suffering and how the uh, you know the presence of joy and suffering uh, are both in our lives he was using two scriptures. They're not exactly contradictory, but they kind of go in different directions. You know, one scripture that uh, talked about um, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so it's sort of like joy after suffering. And uh, then there's the uh, New Testament concept of uh, rejoicing in our sorrows, uh, joy in the midst of pain and affliction. And, um, you know, everybody in life is going to go through some stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Can Absolutely. we say amen to that? Amen. You know, we go through some stuff from time to time, and we all do. I mean, if if our listeners tuned in right now are not going through something, it's very likely that it won't be long until you are experiencing, you know, some kind of a, of a tribulation, you know, in your life. And how do you um, process that? Does the joy come afterwards, or is there joy in the midst of it? Or is it really both? Uh, I think that's something we have to learn uh, together in our, in our walk with believers, or else we're not going to have a very healthy church. I think one of the best books I've ever read was by Lisa Turkhurst, and it was a few years ago. And she said in there, Mm -hmm. 
You're either in the middle of something yeah. or you just came out of something yeah. or bless your heart, you're headed into something. There you go. Those are the only options in life. Mm-hmm. In this world, it's full of sin and bad things happen. And so you're one of those three places. Yeah. And I think depending on what you're going through would be if the joy came after the trial mm-hmm. or if it came during the trial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things in life seem horribly bad with no possible way out. Yeah. And I think when that happens, maybe the joy doesn't come until you finally can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. But day to day stuff that we go through, um, someone treats us bad or something yeah. like that. I think you just have to continue to remind yourself through that, you know, God's got this. He's got you. Yeah. And, and what's happened to you is not on you. It's on somebody else. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, Holly, um, you know, not to make this all about me, but I was in the hospital for a month in November and I never really lacked for joy. During that experience, I was never really scared. I never really felt that bad. I was never really out of breath, even though I was supposedly having acute respiratory failure with COVID pneumonia. And um, that's kind of a big thing. But I tell you, sometimes the least little things can really throw me off. Isn't that funny? I'm the same way. You know, exactly. we, we handle the big stuff, you know, confidently and courageously. And then we uh, lose our traction at the least little things, slip and fall. Which is kind of silly, I guess, sometimes. But, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that is available to us in the big things and the little things. Absolutely. Why is it that we need the reminder more often in the little things to keep our joy and to trust the Lord? What do you think about that? I think probably that that's mainly because the little things we don't really give a lot of concerned to until something happens. We're always focused on the big picture and what the big things are and the big struggles. And then the little things come along and just catch us and knock us off our feet. So I think that's why a lot of times it's the little things that we struggle with most. I am everybody that knows me knows I am a creature of habit. I like Uh a routine. I like to wake up in the morning knowing this is what's going to happen this day. Mm -hmm. So I am probably the person with the most, routine of anybody you will ever meet and <laughs> real estate has certainly changed that some because there's uh-huh. nothing routine about real estate you have but to be ready, ready to be flexible but yeah. i have had to really work on um control yeah not controlling trying to control things yeah. and i've had to work on just that every day is just not the way holly wants it to be yeah and so those two things in my mind are little but mm-hmm. they have really caused me to have to pause and step back and really work on that and let god work on that in me because they, they definitely are, are things that, you know, we have no control over anything. Yeah. Well, Holly, you're a very successful real estate professional. You serve on the Board of Development in Greenville. You've been on a lot of other boards. Have you thought about running for mayor by any chance? <laughs> I have my limits. <laughs> <laughs> I have said the city council and the mayor is made for somebody else besides me. So that's off limits. That's off limits. Well, maybe you should run for governor. No, I think I think Board of <laughs> Development is the highest I need to go. <laughs> so tell me this, uh, Holly, how did you develop into such a put-together professional person? Uh, has this come natural to you, or is it something you've had to work at? I think it is something that I absolutely have had to work at. Um, I think things in my childhood and in my life um, – through some hurdles in there 
and caused me to have to really, as I became an older person, to really work on, um, again, that releasing, thinking I have control. And the more you grow as a person and the closer you grow in your walk with God, the more you realize those things that you used to focus on don't even matter. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that you just have to know that no one is perfect. So when you make a mistake... You're not the only person on the planet who's made a mistake. Thank you. The most important thing is, is you ask for forgiveness and yeah. then you let it go. Yeah. And Amen. you know that God's love is unconditional and that yeah. no matter what, he knows your heart. And if your heart's yeah. in the right place, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know, for the last couple Sundays, we've been talking about this, working at righteousness, which is kind of a funny thing to say when you're a church that preaches the gospel of grace, which means Jesus accomplished all of our righteousness on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And so the work is already done and you cannot add to a finished work. And yet you look at the work of the cross and God says, okay, now get to work. Jesus already did the work and now you get to work, uh, working out your salvation because it is God who is working in you. This is the mystery and the miracle is that God works when we work. Now, um, how do you, um, as we kind of draw this to a close, how do you think, Holly, you could best encourage our listeners today to, so to speak, get to work on personal righteousness, on salvation, you know, on things that only God can do, and yet we're supposed to get to work? How, How do you do that? I think the last year of this pandemic and everyone being isolated at home Mm -hmm. has caused me to really understand how important people are. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to become isolated. We need each other. God created in us the need for each other. That is huge. That's a mouthful. And that has been so true in the pandemic and really tragic for some people. It has suffered terrible loneliness and isolation. It has been, and, you know, people have lost loved ones through it. Couldn't have the funeral. And so if life is not more precious than ever before, I would think it would be right now. So I would just simply say the people you come in contact with every day, whether it's Mm -hmm. family or friends or your dry cleaner or your doctor or dentist, Mm -hmm. those people all need to see Jesus in you. Amen. So the most important thing to me is live every day with Jesus in you yeah. and and show it. Don't just yeah. have it hidden. Show it in the community and yeah. in the world around you. And we never know who might be watching. Absolutely. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Holly, for coming in and sharing. Is there anything else you'd like to encourage our listeners with today? Is just a parting thought. I would just say this is a invitation to anyone who's not at Holland Terrace. Please come visit us <laughs> and try it out and see if it's a fit for you. Well, thank you, Holly, for saying that. Holly Gray, uh, real estate agent extraordinaire with uh, Century 21. First group. First group here in Greenville. And wonderful sister in the Lord and wonderful um, friend and uh, member of our church. As you can tell, she's excited about what God's doing here and we all are and we all know that it's God it's not us and now with today's message 
Here's Pastor Chet. I want to say to you something about leadership as we turn to John 10, 31 today, which is our text. Leadership is not all it's cracked up to be. In the modern world, there's a lot of books that are written on leadership, a lot of lectures given on leadership, a lot of growth plans, a lot of personal development, a lot of self-help. But true leadership, according to the Bible, can be summarized like this. You are a leader when you serve. When you humble yourself and serve others, like Bill Dennis, you become a leader with biblical authority. Zig Ziglar used to say it this way, God bless his soul. He's with the Lord now in heaven. But he taught for many years, First Baptist Church, Dallas, Texas, Sunday school class, and I'm sure he said this many times. I've heard him say it in lectures that he's given. I've heard others quote it many times. Bill Zig was famous for saying this, you can get whatever you want out of this life if you'll just help other people to get what they want. Now that's the attitude of a true servant. Someone who's not really trying to gather for themselves. Somebody who's not really a hoarder, but somebody who is so selfless that by giving of themselves, God has a tendency to raise them up. That's very biblical. Did you know the Bible says if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. Now in this passage today, we're going to see a lot of leadership. We're going to see a lot of humbling. We're going to see especially a man who humbled himself like no other man ever humbled him. In fact, he humbled himself so much, he was accused of being a man. And of course, I'm talking about the Son of God. You're going to see an accusation against Jesus today that you are just a man. That's pretty amazing, remarkably, if you think about it. What Jesus had to do... In order for that appearance to be apparent of him, he had to humble himself a lot. Where he came from and who he was, before he put on the clothing of human flesh and convincingly became just a man, Jesus had to do a lot of humbling. And he did. We're going to look at that today. Let's have a word of prayer together. And then we'll read our text. Father, thank you so much for the blessing this morning of looking into Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The greatest example of leadership through serving that we could ever hope to emulate, of course, is Jesus I pray, Lord, that you will truly speak to our hearts right now about this man, Jesus, and what a man he was. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Now look with me at verse 31, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. This will be our passage for today. We'll finish chapter 10 of John, Lord willing, today in just a few minutes. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those good works 
do you stone me? For which of those works do you stone me? Then Jesus answered him saying, excuse me, the Jews answered him being Jesus saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign. But all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him there. Wow, what a passage. It begins with tribulation. In verse 31, the Bible says again, again, they decided to stone him. Again, this had happened before. As a matter of fact, it happened in the uh, previous chapter, in chapter 8. They took up stones to stone him. They got so mad at Jesus, they wanted to kill him. If you'll flip the page over to the right one, you'll find out why. We're going to see in chapter 11 their true motives revealed in verse 48. In verse 11, 48, they're all in a concern and they're all in a in an angst about the works of Jesus. They say in verse 47, what are we going to do? This man works many signs. And then look at verse 48. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. That's political motivation. They were concerned politically that they were about to lose power, lose face, lose place. And notice what they said in verse 49. Caiaphas, in a prophecy that was beyond his own awareness, he said more than he knew he was saying when he said these words. Caiaphas said, verse 49, chapter 11, you know nothing at all. Do you not consider it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people so that the whole nation should not perish? Wow. Caiaphas said a mouthful right there, did he not? And here Jesus was again back in chapter 10, verse 31. 
uh, finding that the people were gathering up stones. I don't know what kind of stone you look for if you're going to stone someone. Big heavy one, maybe jagged, maybe a smooth one that's easy to throw accurately. I don't know. Sad to me that stoning was so common in the scriptures. I think of Stephen, the first evangelist who was stoned in the early church. The Bible says while he was being stoned, he looked up and he saw the windows of heaven open and declared the glory of God, even while he was being hit one after another. Blunt force trauma is how Stephen died. Well, Jesus on multiple occasions had been threatened with death. And now they're taking up stones to stone him. And in answer to this, Jesus said, look, many good works I have shown you from my father. Tells us a couple things here. Many times before Jesus had been threatened, one time they wanted to throw him off a cliff. A couple of other times they wanted to arrest him and take him and beat him up. Other times they wanted to stone him and never were they able to lay a hand on him until the fullness of time came. Jesus was in control of the situation, not them. And he says, many times I have done Really good works. I've done things. I've shown you things by the power of my heavenly father working through me. For which of these things do you stone me? And if you think about it, it's really true, is it not? There are many things just in the gospel of John that we've studied together. There was a man who was born blind and Jesus healed him with a little bit of mud that he made from some spit. Sent him down to the pool of Siloam. Remember that one? There was also a man who was crippled for 38 years and Jesus raised him up and allowed him to walk. There was a time when Jesus fed 5,000 with loaves and fishes. There was a time when Jesus healed a nobleman's son and the entire family of the nobleman got saved, gave their life to Christ. Don't you think that was a good thing? It was a good thing. I'd love to talk to that whole family. I'm planning on it one of these days. I'm going to sit down and visit with them about the time that the whole family received Christ because the nobleman's son got saved. I bet you they're going to tell me one thing. That was a good day. It was a good day in the life of that family. Jesus did good works, many good works. He turned water into wine at a wedding. Uh, For which of these good works, Jesus said, do you condemn me? And of course, their answer is telling. They said... Verse 33, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Let's focus in on that word blasphemy just for a moment. You know what that means? It basically means dishonoring God. Blasphemy occurs whenever someone takes the name of the Lord in vain. Unfortunately, I think the most times the words Jesus Christ are mentioned in this world today are normally blasphemy, people dishonoring God rather than honoring him. People use the name of God as a curse word, and it's blasphemy. It's dishonoring to God. And they're accusing Jesus of blasphemy. Do you know what the Greek word for blasphemy is? It's the word blasphemy. It's a Greek word. And that's what it means. It means to dishonor God. Now, the funny thing about this is the very ones accusing Jesus 
of blasphemy, which is dishonoring God, let me just ask you a question. Who is it that's dishonoring God? Is it Jesus or is it the ones who are talking to Jesus? Is it Jesus who's really dishonoring God or was it the ones who had picked up stones to throw at Jesus? You know, here's what that kind of tells me by example. I've seen it many times. Whenever you hear caustic conversation and harsh criticism, you know, I've always said, I learned it from my mentor, it doesn't take much size to criticize. And many times the people who criticize the most caustically, the most harshly, they may be the ones who are struggling with the very thing they're trying to accuse you of. That's why it's on their mind. That's why it comes out. This man commits blasphemy. He's dishonoring God. Funny that they should say that. That's like the pot calling the kettle black, is it not? They dishonored God because they said Jesus, being a man, makes himself God. They said, Jesus, you're a man. And I say, amen. Jesus was a man, but he was not an ordinary man. Jesus was a man who was pre-existent with God the Father in the fullness of God, in the Holy Trinity of God, before the foundation of the world with God, Lord of all creation with God. Jesus was a man. Jesus was a man whom the prophets foretold would be the man who would come and stomp the head of the serpent. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 